Odyssey app. Second and ten. Mayfield to the end zone to Jefferson. Is that possible? Touchdown. This is impossible. They go 98 yards. That's good for 23. Al Michaels finally happy on the Thursday night game, huh? Yeah, finally. Now, if Al Michaels really wanted to do it the right way, Josh, he would have said at the end of that play, do you believe in miracles? Yes. And slammed down the headset and exited stage right and called it a day and called it a career. That would have been the perfect way to go uh, to go out yesterday uh, if you were Al Michaels. Not that he is retired, but based on a lot of the stuff he was saying in the game yesterday, he is he's done with this nonsense that is going on right now. But what an amazing, amazing ending. And I'll be the first to admit, I went to bed as soon as the third quarter was over, and it looked like there was no way that the Rams were going to come back and win that game and beat the Raiders. And I woke up this morning, and I'm sure you did as well, to 20 text messages from Sean Barber and Rob Brenton and all the guys on the staff talking about the game. I'm like, what the hell happened? And I saw a text from my friend, Ben Mallory. He goes, how the hell did the Raiders blow that? I'm like, oh my God, what happened? And so walked in this morning, the entire last five minutes was on the television set on NFL network. Saw the replay of that. My God, I just don't know what the football hardo is going to do today. Knowing that Baker Mayfield came in and had one practice, a new 20 plays and led the Rams to two touchdowns in under four minutes to beat the Raiders last night. And the last one, a 98-yard drive to beat the Raiders last night. Just an incredible performance by Baker. Only, the Raiders. Only the Raiders could do that, though, right? Well, the Chargers are probably will give you it, a run for your money. It is funny because Al sounded kind of excited there. I, I was with you. I was watching till the third quarter, and I was kind of I'm not wasn't feeling well, and I'm, I'm like watching, and, and he goes, all right, there's a minute to go in the third. And I'm like, huh, I'm not watching them. You know, yeah, you're like, not watching I'm the fourth quarter. I'm, going like, to I'm, bed, not yeah. the, I'm not watching the fourth. And he sounded kind of bored, mm-hmm. you know, at that, that point. Was 16 to three. But I, but I watched the entire third quarter thinking it was the fourth. Oh, th- there you go. Because it was 13 to three. Nyquil? Yeah. 13 to three. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, it's a terrible, two terrible teams. Yeah. It's probably 13 to three in the fourth. And then all of a sudden I realized it was only the third. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not staying up for this. So, yeah, no, I was with you. I had, and I was like, no way. The Rams won that game. Yeah. Um, which also uh, Alex had the the Raiders as his survivor pick. Oh, he's done. You win. Congratulations. Uh, no, I still I think I think under the rules you have to complete the weekend. Uh, so I need Seattle to beat Carolina, and I will have run back Survivor mm-hmm. again this year. But he had the Raiders last night, and so he's probably there was a text message from him late, late last night. Oh, there too. was yeah. just to you. What he did he say? He did not concede, but oh, he, he should have he conceded rooting against the uh, the. Uh, Seattle Seahawks. No, Sunday. it's over, man. His pick happened before yours. That's what happens when you take the Thursday night game. It's the first person that gets eliminated. You're out. And so you still technically are the last man standing. Alex has already been eliminated. He gave you the opportunity to not have to play on Sunday, right? Well, no, this you is can like rest the, your starters. No, this is like the conference title game in, in college football. You have to go and, and try not to lose. Yeah, but it, but in it, order to if you uh, do, you still go to the title in round order, in order to advance. You know what I mean? So you got to you got to go protect what's yours. And, and uh, so, yeah, I guess I got to win on Sunday. All so. right. Well, yeah, I guess um, I but don't yeah, like it. he walks off the street and then now I'm driving in this morning. I'm listening to NFL radio and they're discussing, well, what if what if Matt Stafford's done? Oh, God. Is Baker the guy? I'm like, are we really doing this? Are we really doing this? That Matt Stafford's had a couple of back injuries now. Maybe he just walks away. He's a you know, yeah, he's accomplished a lot. He really has. Yeah. And if he's if. 
he's just, just kind of decided, hey, I put up a bunch of career numbers. I finally got that ring at the end. I'm out. Well, we were talking about is Andrew. Baker the guy? I'm like, oh, my goodness. We're really doing this already? But, I don't know if Baker's the guy. I mean, I don't know, man. He played very well last night for a guy who had 20 plays of knowledge on the offense. But I, I think the Matthew Stafford thing is very reminiscent to Andrew Luck. We talked about it earlier in the week. And if you haven't had a chance to kind of read what he had to say on ESPN, do yourself a favor, invest some time, take a longer bathroom break, and read that thing because it was very eye-opening. He was just done playing. Matthew Stafford's been through a lot in his career, Josh. He's played in Detroit for, for obviously the majority of his career and it stunk up there put up great numbers but also you had his wife battling some serious health issues with the brain tumor that she had and so they've been through a lot as a family and as a couple and you mentioned winning the Super Bowl ring and then having the back injury this year I mean you could probably see you where it makes a lot walk. of sense where you, you just you, you just walk away yeah. yeah and you got the AT&T commercial you're good to go man but I don't know if, if Baker is the right guy but I I, I do know the like the the die in the wool hardo football fan or hardo football guy is having a tough time realizing that the Raiders lost to Jeff Saturday and now Baker Mayfield right off the streets. Both of those guys right off the streets. I don't know if it says much about Baker and Saturday or just says how bad the Raiders truly are as an organization. And, and I caught a little of the pregame yesterday. My mistake. I apologize for watching the, the pregame stuff. Um, and they're on there talking about the Raiders and they've won three in a row going into last night. And I'm like, oh, okay. They're talking about them like they're accomplishing something. And they're five and seven going into last night's game. They're now five and eight. And they were talking about the Raiders like, are they on a run? Are they finally figuring things out? Are they starting to put it together? And then they go out there last night and absolutely lay an egg uh, and, and have a bad penalty to, to extend that drive. And the Raiders are not back. And neither are the, the Lakers while we're on it. I, I saw a bunch of our the Lakers back. They're 10 and 13. Like you're not back when you're under 500. And so they try to push the narrative of the Lakers of the Raiders. And it just isn't working. That is a dumpster fire out in Las Vegas. And we've got three dumpster fires burning right now in the AFC West, one in LA, one in Vegas, and one we're about to walk into on Sunday against the Denver Broncos. I mean, it is dumpster fire part three in the AFC West. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Raiders can't not being able to close. Losing to, again, people off the street. Right. Being terrible, you know, in those crunch moments. Mm -hmm. I understand why they were asking if they're in a run, though, because this is what the Raiders do. Remember, they dig a deficit, and then they then they kind of make a run, and we're playing them late in the year yeah. with the Chiefs or whatever, and it's like, oh, this could be a game that if they win, they're back in it. You know? Right. That's been the scenario before, so I get it. If they won last night, they would have been, what, six and seven? Six and seven, yeah. You know, you're yeah. like, okay, now they could get, you know, maybe they make a run, um, but they dig a deficit every single year. But those, yeah, those those games will age you. They've had a few of those this year. Mm -hmm. But they got to be just looking themselves in the mirror going, what in the world is going on here? Yeah, and I don't know if Derek Carr cried last night after the game or not. I would have cried Should've. after that game last night. I also want to give a shout-out to number 10 on the, on the Raiders. I, I don't remember what his name is. But on that punt that um, pinned the uh, the Rams inside the five down to the two-yard line, number 10 for the Raiders is doing the gritty following the punt down the sideline. And I'm looking at him and I'm going, what are you doing, man? Like, why are you doing the gritty down the sidelines, getting ready to doubt a punt? And then Baker Mayfield goes out there and just torches the, the competition. And now, look, there, there was a benefit of a bad unsportsmanlike penalty. Was it who was it last night that had that penalty? It wasn't Clean Tillery. 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 Yeah. I was just like Clean Farrell, but no, it, it Jerry Tillery spiking the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hand after sacking him. This is stupid. You don't do something like that. But that's the Raiders, and so they extended that drive. And Baker Mayfield, to his credit. 
threw a couple of darts on that last drive, too, that are like, wow, moments like passes that he threw. The touchdown was great. And then there was one a couple of plays before on the far sideline. You're like, oh, my God, only Patrick Mahomes is making a throw like that. So, I mean, it was just it was just like a fun fourth quarter, man. I'm, I'm glad I went to bed and got my rest, but I'm glad I got to see it, you know, play out on NFL Network this morning because it's going to be a game a lot of people are talking about. It was amazing last night. Way to get the win, Parker. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if you can write it any better than that. Obviously, we'd like to be a little bit more stress-free, but um, it's, it's a pretty damn good story, I'll be honest with you. So it's, uh, it's special. That was my first rodeo doing that, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. You know, when it comes to critical situations and, and kind of uh, – you know, those crucial downs, when, especially when the clock's rolling like that, just putting the ball up for guys like that and knowing the, the clock mechanics. I, you know, I had Brian Allen screaming in my face what the cadence was for that because we didn't cover it, and Sean's yelling in my ear as well. And uh, But, yeah, ball is ball. And uh, it's uh, when you have guys like that around you, they mm-hmm. put you in a good spot and they help you out. I mean, those, those guys did it. Ball is ball. Ball is ball, baby. His life as well. Ball is life. Uh-huh. A bunch of things. Ball is ball. Right. Ball I'd is I'd give him ball. nothing more next week. Why would you? I mean, here's 20 plays. You did pretty good yeah. with that. Let's see what you got. Go home. Yeah. See you on Sunday. Let's not overthink this thing. Absolutely. I, I, I'm with you 100%. I mean, but that's what they do in the NFL, Josh. You know what, what goes on right now. There are coaches in every facility right now in the league, maybe not in, in the Rams facility right now, unless they're just still celebrating last night's win or whatever. But there are guys in every facility across this league right now at this hour overthinking something that's going to take place on Sunday. So when you say let's not overthink it, don't give them any more plays, just let them roll with the 20, I'm with you, man. I, I, I think coaches spend way too much time thinking, way too much time at the office, way too much time preparing for stuff like this. Jeff Saturday walks in off the street, beats the Raiders. Baker Mayfield walks in off the street, beats the Raiders. Maybe the Raiders are the common denominator in all of this. Uh, I think there's a little but, of that, yeah. But, but I, I also think at times we spend way too much time overthinking things in the NFL. Sometimes you just have to go out there and play because as Baker said, ball is ball. Let's find out if Derek was crying. As a team, we just didn't finish the game right the right way. Um, you know, it's NFL, it's going to be close. It's going to be tough sometimes. And this was one of those games where um, I think in the red zone, we didn't execute how we should have. Um, you know, we left some plays out there and some points out there. And then at the end of the game, um, I just didn't think we finished it how how we could have finished it to to win the game. And you know, not not even you know have to you know put the defense out there or anything like that. We just didn't execute. I bet he almost said a curse word last night. Yeah, probably almost. I mean, I, how could you not almost almost curse after that game if you are Derek Carr? The other thing that was funny about that game last night, Patrick Mahomes tweeted about the game last night and then deleted the tweet. Oh, apparently he didn't like what he had tweeted last night. At the end it? of the game, he tweeted "Wow" with three crying laughing emojis, and apparently that tweet has been deleted. Hmm. He doesn't want to step on anybody's toes. No, but it, it got that. a lot of run. It really did. Yeah. It got it, it got a lot of run while it was up there last night. But I think I think Patrick Mahomes was kind of feeling like everybody else was feeling last night. I mean that that tweet that was deleted, six hundred forty eight retweets, seventy seven quote tweets, five thousand five hundred seventy seven likes at the time of this this screenshot was taken. So it made its way around there really really fast. But it's the same reaction we all had. Wow, it's sixteen to three, sixteen to three. With four minutes to go, you don't lose those kind of games. Or 98 yards. Or 98 yards. The guy who just came to the team on Tuesday. That's exactly right. And and, and B-Dub and I were talking about it before the show. He goes, would you have punted in that situation under, what was it, a two-minute warning? And it's fourth and one in your own territory. I'm like, yeah, you still punt in that situation. You make that guy drive the field. You make the guy drive the field. Now, you don't know you're going to knock it out of bounds at the two-yard line. You're hoping to get it inside the 20. 
but it was even better. You're making Baker Mayfield drive the field at that point. You're yep. not giving them a gift yep. at that at that point in time. So it's still the right move to punt in that yep. situation. But man, what a crazy, crazy Thursday night game, man. And then Al Michaels has experienced uh the the PA guy in LA. It's hard to tell what the crowd is right now. It's, I think mainly Raiders a little bit, but the you have a a PA announcer here who incessantly screams whose house and he wants him to well, no no I hate it. He wants to say everybody he wants him to say Rams house. LA is so loud. Is it both the Chargers and the Rams? They just scream. Is it the same PA I announcer? I think it's the same PA guy. Okay. Or they do the same. Um because the last time we were there with the Chargers, same thing. The guy's just screaming the entire the entire time, mm-hmm. and it's it's and there's nobody and there. They have the best sound system in the NFL. That stadium is the whatever they got speaker wise. It yeah. rocks, and the guy screams the entire time. And then the last time we were there for the Charger game, one of the guys was like, "Oh yeah, Rams games are worse." <laughs> I was like, "Really?" Because we have to have our windows down, and you have to. Uh, kind of shield Mitch uh-huh. um, so that the, the sound doesn't bleed into his microphone because the guy's screaming the entire game. Oh, my God. It's really, like, annoying. So I understand why Al is all, all ticked off, like, enough. Yeah, only Al Michaels, is, though. Because they got to they gotta fabricate noise in L.A. because nobody cares. Right, nobody does. And, and last night was... They go, they go. There's a, there's a good amount of people in the stands. They don't make noise, though. I, I convinced that stadium's all manufactured noise. But it was all Raider fans yeah, last night, too. Fans last night, yeah. A lot of Raider fans there last night. Even Lawrence Tynes tweeted about it. He goes, I can't imagine playing in a city where you go to the game and it's all opposing fans every single and time. And you're defending Super Bowl champs. And you're defending Super Bowl champs. Now, they're not off to a great start, and the Raiders are L.A.'s team still. Like, that is still L.A.'s team. No matter what anybody wants to say about the Rams or the Chargers, the Raiders are in Las Vegas, but they are L.A.'s team. And so you're always going to get a crowd that is partial to the Raiders when they play either the Chargers or the Rams. That's why I still don't understand to this day why they didn't move the Raiders back to Los Angeles and let the Chargers go on their way to Las Vegas or keep the Chargers in San Diego. You didn't need to be in Las Vegas at that point in time, but you would have had a great fan base in Los Angeles if you move the Raiders to L.A. And for whatever reason, it just didn't happen, I guess, because Kroenke probably didn't want to be upstaged in his own stadium by the tenant. Correct. He wanted to build a stadium in L.A. Mm-hmm. He could have, but he could have had the Raiders join him instead of the Chargers joining him. Oh, I see. I see. I see. What you're saying. Yeah. 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 In, instead of the Chargers going there. But if he had the Raiders join him, then it would have been like the Jets being the number gotcha. one tenant at Giant gotcha. Stadium. And he probably didn't want to deal with that. Somehow, some way, at least for a half, this is going to be close on Sunday. Next. You're listening to Fesco in the Morning, brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967. Hey, this is Brett Veach. Please stop playing Brett Veach Town. On your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. I got feeling that tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a I only think of one thing when I hear this song now. Okay, what's that? I don't remember his name. Oh, yes, that's right. The uh, the Chiefs preseason game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wish I had that same feeling as you. There's something else that reminds me of this song. I'm not going to talk about it because it's not a topic I want to get into this morning. You're not talking about William Action Jackson. No, it was not Action Jackson. I think it was Michael Coleman. Michael Coleman. Michael Coleman. Let's go to the big board. I have a feeling it's going to be a good, good Good night. night. One of the sideline reports on a Chiefs preseason game. That's right. Yeah, That was 2012 against the Falcons, I believe. I can never unhear it. Every time I hear this song, I I think of him. 
Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So. So good. Yeah. No question like you about it. Want a bat or something because of that? Yeah. Great. Good for him. Does Channel Five still have sports? I don't know. I think Metro's doing it right. I don't know how. I don't know why. Other than it's NFL. This game's going to be close Sunday into the second half, well, isn't it? Of course it is, because everybody plays the Chiefs like it's their Super Bowl. We're right? going to play a close game in the in the first half. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to freak out. Oh God, yes! Because somehow it's not going to be like high scoring or anything. It's going to be like a low scoring slugfest in the first half mm-hmm. before the Chiefs finally break away in the second. Right. Exactly. Right? Absolutely. That's the way it is. I would love though. to say they're going to go in and track meet this thing. I've seen it too many times. I just feel like it's going to be it's going to be close in the first half. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and, it's going and then to coming be. out of coming out of the second half. You're like, all right, guys, let's go. Mm-hmm. Turn it up. Get a get a score to start the second half, and then get off and, and running. But yeah, somehow, some way, they're going to keep it close. Maybe it's their defense. Maybe it's uh, uh, you know, adjusting to their what they're throwing at you defensively. Mm-hmm. Don't you just have that feeling like it's not going to? I wish I, I said they're going to put up 28 in the first quarter and win going away. When was the last time the Chiefs did something like that? When was the last time they truly made a laugher for us, you know, where it was just a, a an easy kick it back and relax and watch type of game? Like it just doesn't happen. And it's it, it, like I used the analogy yesterday about KU basketball and peaking at the right time and people freaking out about you know, not being the best team in November and December, which is is fine. You don't want to be the best team in November or December. You want to be the best team in January and February. But every game, much like the KU basketball fan who freaks out when, you know, Lubbock Tech, you know, plays them close, this is the situation that we're in with the Chiefs. When you are the best team in football, and the Chiefs are still that, you know, that that realm, right? They're still Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs. They're 9-3. and three. They're the two-seed in the AFC they are looked at as the team to beat, right? Until they are not the team to beat anymore, they are going to be one of the teams to beat out there. And so everybody gears up and plays them like they're Super Bowl. That's why the Bengals have had success over the last 335 days against this team because they gear up and they play the Chiefs like it's their Super Bowl, and then they play the Browns like it's the toilet bowl, and it shows. I mean, you you rise to the level of your competition, and I just feel like that as long as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are doing this thing together – they're going to get everybody's best effort because even in the NFL and you're the Denver Broncos at three and nine or whatever they are, right? You win this game, you can feel better about yourself because you beat the Chiefs and everybody's going to be talking about you beat the Chiefs. And so it is a big game for everybody else. And guys, get up for that. As much as you want to say, you know, Josh, don't, you know, play everybody the same and you can't look at the team you're playing. You got to go out there and play your game. When you play the big boys, when you play the superstars, when you play the best teams, it's just human nature to go out there and play better. And so I, I'm with you. I think it probably is going to be a close game. Twitter's going to be losing their minds in the first half of this one. And the Chiefs are going to go on and they're going to end up winning this thing by two scores and pull away. And and, and the, the in the last you know 15 minutes of the game is probably going to be a laugher. But, but I think you're right. I think early on in this one, it is going to be a close game. And it's the NFL. Yeah. Uh, you're way better than them. They got nothing to lose. There's also that that part of it too, yeah. like the, the desperation aspect of it. So we talked to somebody earlier in the week that said, "Yeah, aside from maybe Nathaniel Hackett winning both games against the Chiefs, he's gone." Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, they're, they're awfully desperate too. They really are. But is is that the right move to make to fire Nathaniel Hackett at the end of the season? Because I was thinking about that yesterday, 
And I, I go back to when Andy Reid was hired, which in January will be 10 years that Andy Reid was hired here in Kansas City. Think about that for a minute. It's gone really, really fast, right? 10 years to the day in, in January will be when Andy Reid came in, right? And so I was thinking about the way that Andy Reid came in in January of 2013. And I'm thinking about kind of the situation that's going on in Denver right now. And I remember when they hired Andy Reid, I was like, I'd like to see what he could do with Matt Castle. I, I think that'd be interesting to see. Well, Matt Castle lasted about a hot second here with Andy Reid. He was jettisoned and Alex Smith came in and they turned the thing around and they moved forward and they got their own quarterback in here. I look at that Denver situation, and right now from a football standpoint where they are, from a football-only standpoint, because the Chiefs had other things going on that year, from a football-only standpoint, the Denver situation is much worse because if you're going to fire Hackett at the end of the year, the new guy that's coming in doesn't get to handpick his quarterback like Andy Reid did when he came in in here to Kansas City. The Hunt family allowed Andy Reid to do anything that he wanted to do to move on from everything that came in before him, and he did. And so that's why I think the Denver situation is so much worse because no matter what coach you're going to try to bring in, you got to sell this guy. Like you got to play with Russell Wilson for at least the next three years. And you may not get anybody that truly wants to take this job or anybody that you truly want to get the, give the job to maybe the best move for Denver is just to keep Hackett on board until the Wilson contract is done. Because if I'm a new coach, right, if I'm getting my first opportunity to coach in the NFL, do I want to go to Denver and have myself set up for failure knowing that I got Russell Wilson in his own office that doesn't know anybody else on the team? Do I want to come in and deal with that nonsense? Man, I think if they fire Nathaniel Hackett out there in Denver, they're not going to get a real legit coach until Russell Wilson is able to be moved on from and you can clean house and start over. I think it's going to be a hard job to fill with a good qualified candidate. You can hire me to be the coach of the Denver Broncos, which is essentially what they did out there with Nathaniel Hackett. But you're not going to make strides forward until you hire a coach that is able to move on from Russell Wilson. What if it's like Sean Payton, though? Something like that. But I think he's going to L.A. A veteran coach that... Um, it's kind of been there, done that, and maybe can can corral Russell a little bit. But but if you're sure that is always like there's always liked him, but you know what are, what are those I can work with him, blah, 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 yeah. blah. And, and it's got some uh, some stones that he'd be able to maybe halt some of the stuff you've let him get away with already. Maybe, but who else is out there besides Sean Payton? Because everybody's feeling like, and I, and I believe this too. My my thought is he's going to go to L.A. Because if I'm Sean Payton and the Chargers job opens and the Bronco job opens, and you interview for both of them. Isn't there more upside with Herbert oh, than there sure. is with Russell Wilson right now? Without a doubt. The L.A. thing, like all of that. Like he's still that, playing under his rookie deal. Yeah. Well, like I, I, it's I, not much longer, but yeah. Yeah, not much longer. But I think the upside there with him is a lot more than what you have in Denver. Because even, even if Sean Payton were to take that Denver job and you had three years with Russell Wilson, then you're also still looking for that next quarterback. I think it's hard to find a quarterback. And I'm kind of now on the fence with with Justin Herbert. I don't know if he's any good because I don't. I, I they're they're always a middle of the road good, team, but not a winner yet. Yeah, not a yeah. winner yet, not a winner yet. But maybe Sean Payton unlocks that. So if I'm Sean Payton as a veteran coach in this league, and I got an opportunity to basically pick where I want to go, I'm probably going to hook my saddle to a guy like Justin Herbert out in L.A. that gives me the opportunity to kind of mold as a young quarterback as opposed to a guy who sits in his own office and has a guy that stretches him while everybody else Rubs is downstairs doing things. Like, I, I I, don't know, man. I just don't want to come in and be the head coach of a prima donna quarterback like Russell Wilson. It'll be tough. Seven could be a very big number come Sunday. We'll discuss next. 
This is Fesco in the Morning. Preferred two to one over other competing dentists. Brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound. Your home for car audio since 1967. On 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. What? Josh, I'm going to say something here just to protect one of our listeners. B-Rock, I'm not going to read your text on the air, my man. I'm just not going to do yourself. that. Going to save you from yourself yeah, today. Yeah. Going to save you from yourself today. Enjoy the ride. Right. Exactly, man. Stop. Just, just enjoy the ride. Put the game on. Enjoy the hell out of it, my friend. I love you to death. I'm not going to read your text on the air today. No. <laughs> and in fact, I've shut the text line down. No, I didn't. But I, I am not. I am not reading your text, my man. I'm just not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Read it. Reread it again to yourself. Yes. And go, no. Yeah. You want me That's to reread it, it again? It no, was, not you. Him. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. No, because no. he needs to read, read it, it out, out loud. Read it out loud. Read it out loud. Read it out loud. What, what is it? The out loud test? The say it out loud mm-hmm. test? When you say it out loud, does it make sense? And if it doesn't make sense when you say it out loud, then please don't, man. Just just please don't. I, I, I just want to say it starts off, please don't blast me for this, because you knew we were gonna. <laughs> but I, I can't I, I can't read it on okay. the air. The I just can't. I just can't do it. Uh seven is a big number coming up on, on Sunday. Obviously we want touchdowns. John nice. Elway's playing. Um, but all kinds of sevens out there. Would you rather Seven. face John Elway or Russell Wilson at Russell, this point? For sure. Yeah, no question. John Elway right now in a tight suit and sneakers is is more you, scary you, than Russell you Wilson. Saw Baker on no prep. That's exactly. I wouldn't right. want Elway yeah. on no prep. Right. He'd wear his seven shoes. Right. His own shoe out mm-hmm. there with the seven on the front of him. I saw him wear it at Arrowhead the one time. And uh, yeah, he'd kick your you ass. You would be doing the same damn thing if you were John Hell Elway yeah. and had shoes with your number Hell on yeah. it, right? Had shoes. You don't think um, Michael Jordan walks around in Jordans? All the time. Right. Yeah. Why wouldn't you, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, other than other than Kyrie, everybody wears their shoe. Their shoe. That's right. That's right. Did you yeah. see Kyrie? Oh, my God. He taped over he the Nike logo. He taped over the, the logo. What a tool he bag. He wore his signature shoe, taped over the logo, and basically said, space for hire. Yeah. It was, some, it was something stupid like that. Like, mm-hmm. What a clown. So much, so unlikable. Yeah. Anyway, seven. If I'm if I'm a shoe company, I'm running towards Kyrie, yeah. too. Let me tell yeah. you. That's yeah. the guy I want. Did he show up at Skechers, too, to see if he can get a, I don't a, know. Uh, <laughs> a meeting? <laughs> anyway, seven could be a big number coming up on, on, on Sunday. Obviously, the Chiefs can clinch the division with That's a win right. and a Charger loss. That'd be seven consecutive uh, division titles. That's exactly right. Uh, coinciding with Travis Kelsey's seven. Yeah, seven consecutive years of over 1,000 yards receiving and on the cusp of getting over 10,000 receiving yards. So it's a big day for Travis Kelsey from a numbers standpoint. I want to get to that in one second, but you mentioned the clinching of the division. And if they do that over the weekend and they win the game, which they will, the Chiefs will have won their seventh AFC West title. And again, perspective is everything with all of this, right? We talked all week about the micro versus the macro. This is now the macro time. Monday was the micro time. We freaked out. We lost our minds. We did our thing. Boom. Tuesday through Friday. Now it's the macro of looking at the big picture. And when the Chiefs win on Sunday and the Chargers lose to the Dolphins, the Chiefs will clinch the AFC West, making it the seventh consecutive year that the Chiefs have won that division. You may think to yourself, what does that mean, right? You're asking me, what does that mean? Why do I care about this, Bob? 
because it would be the second longest streak in NFL history of consecutive division championships. They would tie the Rams, who won the NFC West from 73 to 79. The only team that won its division more times in a row in the history of this league are the Patriots. They won 11 years in a row from 2009 to 2019. They went to five Super Bowls in that time, winning three of those, losing twice to Eli Manning. So you, you've got yourself, or no, not twice to Eli Manning, only once to Eli Manning and then once to the Eagles during that stretch. So you've got yourself a team that wasn't supposed to be any good because Heel went to Miami and, oh, my God, they're not going to be any good, getting ready to do something that only two teams in the history of the National Football League have ever done, and that's win their division in seven consecutive years. What kind of success did the Rams have during those seven consecutive seasons? The last year that they won that in the seven consecutive years, they made the Super Bowl and they lost. That was the only time they appeared in the Super Bowl in that seven-year stretch, and they lost it. It was the last year that they won the division championship. So the Chiefs right now are putting together a better stretch of just about everybody in the history of the NFL with the exception of that New England Patriot team, and that's like comparing you know apples to oranges because I don't know that anybody is going to have that kind of unprecedented success where you win for 11 years in a row and you make the Super Bowl five times. No, that's stupid. It, it's ridiculous. But what the Chiefs are doing and how they're handling business over the last seven years is, for all intents and purposes, unprecedented. And so that's why micro versus macro, and you're looking at that loss of Cincinnati and it stinks. The macro is we've been on a glorious ride that only two other teams in the history of this league have ever been on. There were a number of years ago I didn't want AFC West t-shirts. Right. Right. Now I do, like just keep them coming. Just like keep seven them coming, row, right? You know? Yeah. You want the caricatures and the seven Pete something t-shirt, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't want to stop it because I don't want this record to to not get broken, right? Like the eleven is gonna be interesting to see if they can do that. I think they pop probably can as long as you know Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and this thing is turning in the right direction. I I don't hold back on that one. But I also think winning the the seventh consecutive championship puts you in that rarefied air that we have to appreciate, that we have to understand like what we're watching right now is magical because I think a lot of times, Josh and we see it on social media more than anywhere else, people forget what we're watching right now and how great this truly is. And so every time there's a superlative like that, I want to talk about it and and reassure and let everybody know we are living in the golden age of not just Chiefs football, but one of the golden ages in the history of the NFL. And uh, every time Travis Kelsey has uh, got 1,000 yards, they've also won the division, so... You know, whatever. Yeah, wow. That, that's pretty That's pretty cool. I, I mean, it's yeah. 32 yards on Sunday to get to 1,000 for uh, – he's already got the record, but uh, this will be a seventh straight year by a, a tight end Yeah. Um, for 1,000-yard season. So 32 yards is the number for uh, for Travis Kelsey coming up on Sunday. Yeah, it, it's magical what he's doing, and, and I know you're going to throw this tomatoes is, This is crazy, too, though. So George Kittle okay. and Darren Waller, often try you try to put them in the same sentence. They each have two 1,000-yard seasons. No other active tight end has more than one. Say that again. Kittle and Waller often said to be the on the same plane right. as Travis Kelsey. They each have two 1,000-yard seasons, and no other active tight end has more than one. It's amazing. He's, I mean, he's put the stiff arm on. Yeah. They get, like, as good as everybody thinks Kittle is, what are the likelihood he gets seven one thousand? No, I don't think any. No, he's not gonna play. He's not gonna play five more. He might not play five more seasons. And he won't have a quarterback <laughs> like Mahomes. You know what I mean? He might not play five more seasons. Right. I as mean, banged it, up as he's been. I mean, it, it is crazy. And you think about what Travis Kelsey has been able to do over the course of his career. 
again, one of those things, quite honestly, Josh, I don't know that we appreciate it right now, right? I don't know that we're appreciating everything that Travis Kelsey has brought to the table and the way that he's just gotten better, especially this year. He's having his best year, in my opinion, right? He's just dominating right now and doing some great things. But all kidding aside, if you're really doing a true Mount Rushmore of Kansas City sports over the, the history of Kansas City sports, Travis Kelsey's on that list. And he may be, he may be battling George Brett at some point in time for the number one spot on that list. I mean, once he goes into Canton, if they win another championship, how do you not put him as the all-time greatest Kansas City athlete? I'm with you. No, it'd be hard to say he's not. Like I, that's not hyperbole. Like waiting until Mahomes is done. You yeah, know what I mean? right, right. Until right, Mahomes right. is done. But yeah, no, you're right. Like no. if, if you're doing a modern, you, you the greatest could, at his position and multiple championships. Come on, yeah. There are four that's, players. That's rarefied air. There are four players right now that are active in in professional sports. That when you look at like the best of all time in Kansas City sports history, those four could be up there. It's Kelsey, it's Salvi, it's Mahomes, and it's Heal, right? Like he's the best wide receiver that this organization has ever seen. Mm-hmm. So you could do a legit Mount Rushmore of Kansas City sports athletes of all time and have those four active guys on there. And I don't know how many people would argue with you about that. Now, you may argue the Tyreek one because he's no longer here. But if you're just doing active players, you can make a legit Mount Rushmore of those four guys being the four best athletes in Kansas City sports history. We used to do this topic back in the day, right? The, oh, who's on the Mount Rushmore of Kansas City sports? And and no offense, but like Tom Watson was on that list, right? Maurice Green. Maurice yeah. Green would be on yeah. that list because we didn't have any athletes. We've got, we didn't have any team athletes. We didn't have yeah. any team athletes. Yeah. We, we, in the last, I, give me f- seven, eight, nine, ten George, years. Tom. Uh, Lenny right. and and uh, Maurice Green, Maurice would have Green been, or Buck O'Neill would have been yeah. probably the the consensus. Correct, yeah, yeah probably yeah. so back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. But now you're looking at it and you're like, oh my god, we're living in a golden era of sports where we've got greatness that you know took place at Kauffman Stadium and Salvador Perez is one of the greats of all time. He's going into the Hall of Fame. We've got Travis Kelsey. We've got Patrick Mahomes. We got to watch Tyreek Hill become one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. And that doesn't even go and talk about some of the other great players that we've seen over the last decade kind of come through here. Like, we've been really spoiled over the last 10 years, right? We have been really spoiled since, like, January 3rd, 2013, when Andy Reid was hired. We have been totally spoiled as sports fans. We've had two World Series appearances, two Super Bowl appearances, a championship in MLS. Like, the last 10 years have been the greatest 10 years of sports in Kansas City history. Let's see if the uh, Chiefs are ready for Sunday. The only way we know how. You loved it so much this summer, we had to bring it back. The first thing I said, there's an imaginary sign outside that says... Hiring all applicants. But this time, I get to voice the intro. I mean, I'm big on block destruction. Hello? Yeah, what's going on, BM? What do you mean, back by popular demand? Signed her to a long-term deal. Can we at least have shouted out back? All right, all right, bro. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Well, thanks to spec. I guess I don't get to voice the intro. And I always will say this. Sometimes without no bad luck, we wouldn't have any good luck at all. Well, hello. Look who they brought back for the regular season. It is me, the British woman. And now it is time for another edition of Kingdom Cliché. How you doing? Every week it starts up front. You know, there's a surge early. 
Um, for me, um, whenever my number's called, I'm, I'm ready to roll. Doesn't matter where uh, we're at, we're on the field. Um, as long as we're on the same page and we're all on the same mission, uh, we can get the goal accomplished. And the thing that you don't want to do, you don't want to encourage him to do it all the time, but you don't want to discourage him from doing it as well. Cook just keeps getting better. Sometimes <laughs> the best thing that you can do is make a mistake. I'm not a gambler, but I once had somebody tell me that when it was so far one way, gamble the other way because eventually it's going to happen. I hope that doesn't happen. You never know when something little can have such an impact. So it's important that we're, we're focusing on the little detail aspects of our game. Um, you know, day in and day out, um, it's all that practice. Uh, you know, just continuously, uh, you know, just getting comfortable behind the guys and continuously building. Um. Uh, it all works hand in hand. Uh, extremely athletic. They play hard. There's no quit in them. Uh, it's definitely going to be a tremendous challenge up front. I thought that quarterback beat us with his brain, with his arm, and with his feet. There's always an ego about you, you know. Hey, I'm the man, I'm the man, I can do this, I can do that. But sometimes you just got to know when to say when, you got to know when to surrender. Pretty much just coming to work every day with a chip on your shoulder, uh, wanting to get better. He's got a lot of courage, he catches the ball in a crowd, and he's a spinner, and uh, he's just uh, really good after the catch. As a kid, you know, growing up with uh, great parents, my mom and my dad, uh, you know, always taught me to be respectful and, and be a leader. Every week, we're going to get everybody's best. There's nothing in the 13 prior games that's going to help us in this one. Um, day in, day out, you know, I just watch. The only way you're going to learn to improve is to go out there and make a mistake. We didn't get it as deep as we wanted. The hang time was pretty good, but it's not as deep as we'd like. The ball is the most important thing, not you. Uh-huh. Nothing beats a regular season uh -oh. football cliche, especially one from the kingdom. We'll be back tomorrow with more wonderful, useless, nonsensical kingdom cliché. He's a spinner. I don't know what that is. I don't He's know. A spinner. Oh, man, that, nothing more important than the, the ball. ball. That's True. a good one. That True. is really Spags is really good with these cliches. The New England accent kind of covers them up a little bit. But he is really, really good. They settle in. Yeah. Dave Tobe <laughs> is kind of the leader in the clubhouse as well. Well, Dave, he is. He is Dave cliche. Tope, he speaks on a on a on a special teams level no one else understands. Yeah, well, that, that is true. Maybe some of the like, players don't either. If you look and, at special teams this year, he and Dana do the pregame interview, and they're on the same wavelength. That's it, though. Nobody else. Nobody knows. else. Man. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody else knows. <laughs> He's Everybody a terrific. Else is just looking around like what? Special teams nerd, about? and you have no. Nobody else knows. Excuse That's me. It. What do you say? The spinning of the ball, like He's like the balls deep and all that other stuff. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, it's just unbelievable. He's he's fantastic. All three of them guys together are great. That that was a wonderful edition of Kingdom Cliches. This day in history, ten years ago, was a pretty good one, if not a controversial one. Ooh. Next. The home for Legend Bob. Legend Bob, he's an expert on rubbing balls. Fesco in the morning, brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967 on 610 Sports Radio. Kansas City, Missouri, USA, Missouri, USA. Oh yeah, such a great community. Check out the skyline. Check out the big old buildings in downtown Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so wonderful. Uh-huh. Let's go to the Kaufman Center of Performing Arts and see a show or something in Kansas City. La, 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 la. 
I was wondering where this guy had been. The KC sports band guy, right? Yeah, all you have to do is look on Twitter. He's there. He's got a new album out? He does. Missouri? 49 minutes ago, he released the new album called Missouri Oh Yeah, Good Yes. So he's got a new album out for everybody. I specifically everybody. would recommend listening to the Sykeston song. That's really good. The Sykeston song is really yeah, good. So yeah. here, here's the rundown of the 50 songs that are on this album that's an hour and a half long. Kansas City, Missouri, St. Louis Anthem, Song About Springfield, Columbia, Oh Yeah, Columbia, Independence is a City in Missouri, Lee Summit, Missouri Rock and Roll, O'Fallon, O'Fallon, Oh Yeah. St. Joseph is a wonderful city. St. Charles is a wonderful city. St. Peter's is a wonderful city. Very nice. Very nice. Blue Springs, Missouri. Florissant forever. Raytown City Anthem. This is the guy that authored the uh, Josh Klingler and Bob Fesco song. That's exactly right. Steven Spector. From years ago. Yes, yes. So 50 songs now. uh, on. He'll make uh, a song about you, too. You just do a submit. Just submit words. Like 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 a, you know, your... LinkedIn bio page or whatever, and he'll that's right craft a song out of it. Remember when he did Jeffrey Flanagan's song, and it was just he just read his Twitter bio Correct. on there, yeah, and yeah, he just yeah. sang his yep. Twitter bio, which yep. was outstandingly great. And so, fifty songs about fifty different cities in the state of Missouri. One of your favorites, I know, is probably this one, Josh. Rala, rala, rala. That would be good. Yeah. Or you may like this one. Farmington is like the best city, right? That's the name of the song? That's right. Right? Yes. Hannibal is a fine Missouri community. Hmm. It's got something for everybody. Track 47 is perhaps the greatest song about Sykeston, Missouri. Ever. Or the only song about Quite Sykeston, possibly. Missouri. Quite possibly. I got I to gotta hear the Raytown one. Raytown, Missouri. A good city in Jackson County. Oh, yeah. Raytown is wonderful, and it is also very nice. Nice. Yeah, there very it is. Nice. Look yep. at all the buildings. Look at all the neighborhoods. Look at all the trees in the 9.97 square miles of Raytown. Oh, yeah. Raytown is the greatest place in the world. Everybody who lives there is a wonderful person. It's a good community filled with people who are living the American dream. He's so positive. La, 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 I mean, he is a big believer in Missouri, the human, humankind. We need to get back so to Raytown, but the Raytona 500 isn't going to happen anymore. American people. Raytown, Missouri, USA. What I like about this guy is like the best place He just stays in his window. He really so does. Much. You know, he's he just he knew, knows what a hit is. And then boom. He just stays there. Right. He had the Jason Avant song. Yes, he did. Too, right? yep. And then rewrote is, it for us when he came to the Chiefs. Which is why I think initially we stumbled upon him. Yeah, was it Jason was. Avant yeah. song? Yeah. He's a catcher of balls. He's a catcher of balls. Yes. yes. He's very, a wonderful man. He's a wonderful man. He's very nice. Catches everything thrown in his general direction. Di- direction. Yep. So later today, hold on to your hat because we got Belton, we got Blue Springs, we got Lee Summit and yeah, Independence still got to get to. Yes. Yep. He hasn't done the Kansas side of the state line mm. yet, but he's he's. I think he's doing an album on every state. Mm. Sykeston, Missouri is very nice. It is.
Uh, today in history, I've never been to. Well, I have been. It's a home of throat rolls. Ten years ago, 2012, mm-hmm. on this day, the Royals made the trade for James Shields and Wade Davis. Ah, that's right. Parting with Will Myers. Oh my God. We hadn't seen yet, by the way. Right. Jake Odorizzi, mm-hmm. Mike Montgomery, and the forgotten third baseman, Patrick Leonard. That's right. I forgot about Patrick Leonard right. being in this trade. It's really the Elliot Johnson-Patrick Leonard trade, Josh. We'll see the player to be named. Elliot? I think so. Elliot. Elliot. Uh, but you remember that, that day, that trade was very controversial. Oh, God, yes. Wade Davis at that point in time, kind of a failed starter. Mm-hmm. They were using in the bullpen, but the Royals were going to make him a starter again. Right. Uh, James Shields was the feature piece of that, but you're giving up the minor league player of the year in Will Myers. Right. Who we never saw. Never saw him. Never did, no. So I, I Googled this morning because I couldn't remember Elliot Johnson's name, right? Like, why would you remember that guy? And so I, I, I Googled James Shields trade Royals. Mm-hmm. And... I was like, oh, God, Here, here's, here's what I've, I came up with and saw right away. Bleacher Report, five reasons the Will Myers trade was a disaster for the Kansas disaster. City Royals. Disaster. Uh, the Rays traded James Shields and Wade Davis to the Royals. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, it's time to win is why they made that trade. I agree. The Royals are taking a huge gamble on James Shields. Um, so all of the baseball nerds. The huge gamble, though, was on Wade Davis. Because if Wade Davis didn't work, that's probably a failed trade. As much as James Shield was the was the leader of you know turning around that pitching staff and the guy you could follow and yeah, rah, rah, rah. Yeah, yeah. But if Wade Davis is stinks, yeah, or maybe you don't develop that back you, into you the bullpen. You don't yeah. move him back to the bullpen and say, okay, be a bullpen guy, and that works. That that trade might not work. Right, you're, you're probably right about. And that, that was a gamble yeah. because they brought. Davis here and Davis wanted to start and they put him back in the starting. They rotation, gave him an opportunity to start. Yeah. But his best spot was at the back of the bullpen. And if, if that wouldn't have panned out, this trade would have been really bad. It would have been, it would have been for naught probably, but you know, who James Shields was part of that 14 team. So ma- do you still make the postseason that year in 14? Not without that bullpen. You don't no. not, not without Wade Davis being the type of guy that he was. And remember Wade Davis that year was mostly the eighth inning guy. Cause Greg Holland was your closer that year. So you needed Wade Davis in, in multiple roles. You know, once he got here to Kansas city and, and I say multiple roles, he, he obviously started for a while, but then was the eighth inning guy then became your closer and was, became automatic out there, you know, in that bullpen. So I, I look back at that trade 10 years ago and I, I laugh because it obviously worked out. It wasn't a disaster. And and I think when, you know, we have these trades, stuff like that, like that Bleacher Report article does have an impact to this day in baseball where these guys in these front offices are afraid to make trades and afraid to trade prospects because everybody who, you know, has a computer and sits downstairs hangs on to these prospects like they're dear life. And and they're just not. They're commodities. Players and prospects are commodities to make your big league organization better. And when the Royals made big-time trades, Josh, under Dayton Moore, which wasn't many, and I'm talking like the big-time trades, all of them contributed to this organization becoming a winner. The Zach Ranke trade, the Elliott Johnson trade, the Johnny Cueto trade, the Ben Zobers trade, the Cueto and Zobers you said, trade. You, you just said there, there wasn't many of them. Those are pretty impactful. All the, those are, that's what I'm saying. The, the ones that they did make were major right. impactful trades. To have that 
I mean, I wish they could find a Shields-like trade now. It doesn't seem like that anybody's interested in doing to that extent. Correct. The Shields and the Granky ones, like those were massive. Those were massive. That changed the entire franchise. And, uh, the, the level of players you exchanged and what have you. Right. And I know the Royals want to do that, and they're willing to part with guys. The problem is you've got to find another team that is willing to part with guys as well, and they become few and far between right now in this day and age in Major League Baseball. That's just the fact of the matter. But you look at those moves, and you think, boy, if they don't make those four moves, they don't win championships. They're not in the World Series. They're probably not even in the postseason. And maybe Dayton Moore is gone before the 2015 season. Who knows what the case may be in, in something like that. So those trades were very, very, very impactful and I know from talking to enough people about those trades over the years and 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 you look at the the, the two that they made in 2015 to get uh, Johnny Cueto and to get Ben Zobrist the analytics department at the Royals at that point in time was fighting to not make the trade for Johnny Cueto and to not make the trade for Ben Zobrist the analytics side of things thought they were giving up too much to acquire those guys back in return to which I say that's why you can't go solely on analytics because if the Royals listen to their analytic department in 2015, Ben Zobrist and Johnny Cueto never would have been members of the Kansas City Royals, right? They never would have been on this team. Could they have won without Cueto? Maybe. Could they have won without Zobrist? No chance in hell that they're winning the World Series that year without Ben Zobrist. He was that big a deal. And so when people say, oh, the analytics say, I don't give a rat's ass what the analytics say because the analytics were telling us not to trade for Johnny Cueto and not to trade for Ben Zobrist. And kudos to Dayton Moore for telling the analytic people to pound salt. We're making these trades and we're making our organization better. And then you would have really had to sell, well, Wade Davis is going to be a bullpen guy. Yeah. At the time that it happened. Sure. You thought you were getting two starters. You did. Yeah, 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 you, know I mean? you, you did. And That's it didn't amazing. work out that way. And sometimes things it don't work out. It worked out great. It worked out great. But again, the, 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 the true testament of leadership is putting your people in position to be successful. The, the teams, and we've seen this happen before, they get so wedded on something that they're going to force a square peg into a round pole. And you look at a round hole and you look at what the Royals did with Wade Davis. It would have been very easy for them to continue to roll him out there as a starter but they realize, you know what? This isn't going to work. Let's try him in the bullpen. Let's see what can happen. And it opened all kinds of doors that we had never seen sports-wise in this town. So, man, 10 years ago today, one of the most impactful trades that this organization made.